These ain't no terrorists. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and awards show podcast by your two neighborhood-friendly film buffs. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. <laughs> and each week, Matt and I roll out the red carpet and Step and Repeat banner for a feature film of the week. And this week, our movie is Judas and the Black Messiah, whose trailer you just heard at the top of the episode it stars uh, Lakeith Sanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, Jesse Plemons, and Dominique Fishback. It was directed by Shaka King, uh, and the screenplay is by Shaka King and Will Burson, based on a story from Will Burson, Shaka King, Kenny Lucas, and Keith Lucas. And the plot synopsis, uh, for all those unfamiliar, uh, very quickly, is offered a plea deal by the FBI, William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on Chairman Fred Hampton. It is available in select theaters now and available on HBO Max. It's part of that Warner Brothers deal that they struck. Uh, so... Decided to give a little bit of uh, details on the movie <laughs> at the top for all the people who are like, uh, what is this? So, uh, so new thing, uh, trying out, uh, hoping, thinking it'll be helpful for you all. But, um, but uh, before we kind of go deep into Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, we have a listener question. Hey, thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for the listener question. Uh, and I'm really excited to answer this. So this email comes from Jenny. And I'll read the email out loud quickly. Hey, guys. I was curious, are they still filming movies during quarantine? If so, does that affect the budget? Also, how are movie theaters going to stay in business? Yours truly, Jenny, <laughs> from my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a uh, loaded question. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Like, how much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast, we have all the time in the world, but I don't think they want to listen to us drone on about <laughs> our theories about how movie theaters will stay open. <laughs> Oh, my favorite one just closed by me too. I'm so upset. Oh, I know. shout out to AMC Maza Gallery and the staff at Maza. You are the best. It's so sad uh, because um, because it's like especially sad because movie theaters are like even starting to close and there's like no specific day when we know they're going to reopen. So like the end is in theory in sight, but not in practice. <laughs> so 
It's meaning like there's going to be more to come. Yep. Those things to come. Um, yeah. So this is like basically a question of like, how is the coronavirus affecting the movie industry? <laughs> um, so there's like a few questions in here. I guess like we'll take up one by one. Uh, since it's like roughly in order of like how things, how the sausage is made. <laughs> so um, the first question is, are they still filming movies during quarantine? Uh, and the answer is yes. Um, it, the answer to all of these questions, like every, like every question in the history of the universe is it depends <laughs> but they are still filming movies during quarantine but uh it's like not every movie so um it like is really kind of like a case-by-case -case basis of whether they're filming or not and um so that means there are fewer like big budget movies that are currently being that are currently in production um there are still like a few like mission impossible comes to mind is a big one that's uh, wasn't that just shut down well like they reopened them and like if they had any sort of like issues they like close and reopen and um because like it requires like filming a movie like requires so much coordination on like everyone's behalf. So, um, so they have, they have, there are fewer bigger ones because like those require like worldwide shoots and those require like more extras, which means like more COVID testing, more protocols, all this stuff's like put into place. So like, that's the reason why they're shooting fewer big budget ones. But um, the ones that are like medium size, the ones that are being shot are like medium size or smaller size because those are the more controllable ones and also the ones that are um, more insurable. So, um, so like all these movies, like they have insurance um, in the event of like a COVID outbreak. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so yeah, so like they are still filming and doing these things. Um, but like if, if, and, or when like there's an outbreak, say like it won't be like uncommon to shut a movie down for that reason. So, um, so there's like a lot more, oh, I'm sorry, like temp, when I say shut down, I mean temporarily shut down. And, um, they and then they like pick it back up when they say it's safe um this is uh and like this leads to kind of like the second question which is uh how does that affect the budget and it makes it more expensive <laughs> surprise surprise um the uh the estimate that i got i found in my research was that it costs about 20 percent more of the film's budget to film now during COVID, which is why a lot of projects are like postponed kind of indefinitely. There aren't um, like, like those big movies that I mentioned, it's not uncommon for like a lot of big movies right now to um, just wait it out 
and like wait till it's easier to film again. So, um, so especially like if you're moving, if your movie's twenty percent more expensive, like that's an extremely significant uh, budget <laughs> budget uh, concern. So, um, so yeah, so it is. Uh, costing them a lot of money and like a lot of movies just like they, they just like don't know and the uncertainty of it all like has this like huge domino effect so that's like going to be felt in the industry for for years um to come just because like that's how long it takes for movies to come out so um so like and on top of all this they aren't really green lighting any new movies, like any new projects because of this uncertainty. So uh, because of the lack of like new movies that are agreed to be made, um, then this like will potentially create a sort of drought of movies within the next two or three years. Um, when I say drought, I don't mean like there's not going to be nothing <laughs> on TV or in the movies, like um, what's the difference these days, but, uh, but like there will be fewer options than there were before, but there already were like a ton of options anyway. So like, um, so I, um, I don't think people will feel it as much as they might think they will, but it will, um, it will be different. Like it will, it like fundamentally changes sort of the industry. That's my two cents of my, <laughs> of like on the, like the first two questions is on like filming and um, the budget. Uh, do you have anything to say, Matt? Nope. I think you covered it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love like reading about like movies that are uh, like currently in production. Um, I was like just on uh, um, Florence Pugh's Instagram page today. Um, <laughs> uh, not that that's how I get my news, but um, <laughs> but it was uh, um, it was like really cool because like I'm really kind of like interested to see like what they do, like what the like COVID protocols are and stuff, and um, they're like. A ton of articles you can definitely like research to do all this stuff there's a really great one when um malcolm memory came out um because that was like filmed in the beginning of covid um of like how they did that but um so like on florence Pugh's like instagram page they just wrapped filming on the new olivia wilde movie um uh don't worry darling with florence Pugh and harry styles so they um so she like shared like a bunch of like behind the scenes photos and like it included like like the COVID testing tent and stuff like that and so like it's just it's cool to see like other people at work that like also have like these COVID testing things these people just like happen to be celebrities <laughs> so um it's like celebrities they're just like us uh so it's uh I love like seeing all that stuff I find it like really interesting do you remember when Tom Hanks got COVID and everyone freaked out now like I know he was the first one like um uh and yeah he was filming the elvis movie um which like may or may not come <laughs> come out this year but um next year it's like 
it's it's like funny how um how the times have changed even like within a year of like people reacting when like people get covid <laughs> so when i say people i mean like famous people um so like when tom hanks got covid it was like this huge thing because it was still this like relatively like unknown um virus and uh now it's like i don't even remember the last celebrity that i remember hearing about getting covid uh, but because we like we know more even though there are like far more cases of it today than there were like this time last year <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so as far as as far as um movie theaters staying open i know uh that's gonna be rough <laughs> but i think they'll uh i think they've got plans in the works i don't i don't really know the plans um i as i've said hollywood will not let movie theaters die but it's going to be a struggle for a while so yeah it'll it'll definitely not be fun and even when covid's over you know seats are still going to be empty and it'll take a while for uh, i think theaters to really or people to really feel comfortable going back to theaters um until unless there's like a really big budget movie coming out that people really want to see you know like i don't like there's no avengers down the pipeline but like there are i'm just like i'm curious to know like if like people will be in theaters like by the time i don't know like the new batman comes out or, or whatever yeah it's like really interesting too because like the movies that benefit the most from theaters from like being in theaters are like these big budget movies so when theaters reopen like let's assume that um uh, like obviously they're gonna like reopen with like covid guidelines sort of in place which are going to be in like I don't know, 20% capacity. I just made that number up. Um, but like, but there's going to be capacity limits. And so, but they have a limited number of screens at each movie theater. So it benefits each major theater to show big budget movies because those are the ones that are going to make the most money. Um, which means that these small and mid-sized movies are going to find more incentive to move to streaming platforms because um, mm -hmm. that's where like they're gonna make most of their money so it's like weird like there's going to be this like continued divide of like big budget movies and small yeah. budget movies which has existed forever I wonder my wonder is that if the studios will possibly waive distribution fees for a while to try to avoid some of these movies going straight to streaming like you know wave like you know whatever it costs to rent out a theater or like for like the movies to like run out theater space or um you know for any equipment or whatever i wonder if those will be waived maybe i i don't know if there's a gonna be some kind of like process in place for any hollywood assistance and um i know there's also been like there's been like a push from theater owners to um push like for covid relief as like businesses kind of like a bailout kind of thing because they've they've been obviously hit really hard um so that's also another thing i wonder if they'll get any assistance from government yeah like if so a really good resources is um nato <laughs> which i always love that acronym um not like the north atlantic <laughs> treaty uh, organization but the national association of theater yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. um and so they um are like very vocal about like uh covert relief package and um 
like paycheck paycheck protection program, uh, and um, they're like they were happy with the deal in December, but like like every other business right now, like they um, are also pushing for more relief. <laughs> so like as soon as one's over, like they're always like um, pushing pushing for others, um, especially and especially all this because it's like the, because like theaters are so closed. I think it's like. I should have looked up the exact number, but I think only 60% of theaters are still open right now. Um, that, could, that may have changed even from the last time I saw that number, that figure. Um, but like I live in DC and zero theaters, like you can't be, you can't have a theater open in DC right now. So, um, so. Lots of, lots of theaters open in Virginia. Some are open in different counties in Maryland. Um, but I guess it like, and at least where we live, it depends on the county. Um, you go county by county, so. Yeah, but like, but the point being basically is that like theaters are like still very, very closed um, and um, not like raking in a whole lot of money. So like, that's why they need like the COVID relief too. So, and on top of all this, it's not like theaters were like, business was a booming before COVID. So like the switch to more people like watching movies at home was already starting to happen before, um, before COVID hit and then like COVID hit and that just like escalated that, like dialed it to 11. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so yeah, so like there, they will like also be pushing for, um, pushing for relief from the government. Yep. We'll see. Ugh. Fun times. All right. Well, uh, hope we somewhat answered your question, Jenny. <laughs> Unless yeah. you have any more to add. Nothing for me. Um, I like really had a like really good time like researching a lot of the stuff too. So that was a very mm -hmm. good question. Um, I'm very grateful for it, Jenny. Um, uh, and it's like a question that probably is like on a lot of people's minds. So, so thank you. Uh, and yeah. any other listeners out there have any questions, uh, please shoot us an email like Jenny did. Uh, for, uh, you can always shoot us an email to stepandrepeatpod at gmail.com. And we will be sure to read your question on the air, just like we just did. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, if we have no more questions, then I guess we should move on to um, what are you watching? So it's our little kind of soapbox segment. And I guess it's time for me to ask, Andrew, what are you watching? Uh, I, I really want to know. Oh, you really want to know. Um, I uh, am going to talk about um, something that the internet has been talking a lot about this week, uh, which oh, no. is the um, the documentary "Framing Britney Spears." Oh Lord! <laughs> which okay. uh, um, is uh, a New York Times documentary uh, that aired on FX uh, last week. Um, uh, well, I should the. 
a week ago from when we're airing, which is the 14th. Um, so a uh, little over a week ago, I think it aired on the 5th and is now available on Hulu. So like a lot of people have been catching up with it since. So um, the documentary Framing Britney Spears is uh, about um, on its page, like on the cover, it's like about her conservatorship uh, which was, um, she was placed under a conservatorship uh, in 2008, um, which she has been under for 13 years, like under her father. And this is like the conservator, a conservatorship is like something that's usually reserved for um, the elderly. Uh, so like people who can't make like financial or personal decisions. Mm. And uh, like people who can't make choices really. And she has been under this for like 13 years, um, even though, and like there's a big fan push um, like to free her from this conservatorship because um, she seems to be like a like functional adult, like capable of like making financial decisions on her own. Um, and so like she was placed under this conservatorship after like a very public mental breakdown in like the mid two thousands. And so what this documentary does, um, I think very well is, uh, takes you back like to the time where like where she became, um, famous and, um, like up until like the point of like all of her like very public mental health crisis in the mid 2000s and the role of like the media and like society and like kind of how we treated her. And um, it's like really messed up. And like, when you think about this like stuff in hindsight, like um, to the point where like we openly like mocked a woman for like being under like a very clear like mental health like cry for help <laughs> and um like made so much fun of her and it's like oh my god we were so mean and cruel um for like no reason and this like dates back to like when she even became famous and um like we would ask all these like so we would ask like really really inappropriate questions, questions you would not ask today. And like thought of this like stuff for her, like it was a huge deal. Like Britney Spears' virginity was like a huge deal. And we would like, imagine like doing that to somebody, to like a like 18 or 19 year old today, like gross. And, um, and like they would talk about like her breasts at like 18 and 19, like weird. And it's like this, these were like common things that we did as a society. And it's like, oh my God, like I, and all of this, like obviously, um, like the attention from like the paparazzi, um, like leading up to like these moments. And so it's like, it's so, it's this like huge reckoning uh, for like the way that we treat like women and celebrities, particularly like women who are like good at their jobs <laughs> too. Um, so, um, and like, I see this as like a kind of a 
train uh, like part of a train and like a recent trend of like of like society coming to terms like with like reckoning for itself um, through these other um, these other like recent movies and television shows and documentaries. So I like think of like Princess Diana, who's having like a resurgence right now with the crown. You think of like Marsha Clark and like the people versus OJ Simpson. Um, think of like Tanya Harding in I, Tanya. So like there are all these, these celebrities that we like very much put under the microscope um, and oftentimes mocked uh, uh, and in hindsight, um, hindsight's 2020, like we kind of like look back on these things and like, what did we do? So it's like, it's very interesting to me. Um, and like the documentary kind of um, plays this story, this whole story out um, in chronological order. So, uh, so it's, um, it was very interesting. It was like, it was very, very good. Um, the, the one, like my biggest, the thing that like leaves me most kind of uncomfortable about it though, is that it still is kind of like playing into this sort of like voyeuristic aspect of like obsession with celebrity. <laughs> so it's like, everyone's watching this documentary and talking about this documentary. And um, it's like, yeah, we're like, we still can't look away. Like we're still kind of like obsessed with the downfall of like how we like build women up and tear them down. And like, we're still obsessed with this story. So it's like, it feels like the story isn't quite over yet. Um, so, but like, I think it's like more important. It's at least more important to like, to think about like where at least we are. Um, as like a society and the way that we treat um, treat these women and like think twice um, before you kind of like openly mock somebody, <laughs> a celebrity. So, um, so yeah, so I was very, um, I gave into the peer pressure and watched. Hmm. I'd, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even, <laughs> I didn't even know Britney Spears was resurging this week. Um, well, all right that's interesting well yeah yeah i guess i've been living in iraq <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well like it also it also has to do kind of like with like who's on your timeline of like who who like my friends are that are like watching this movie and like um again like i have like a lot of gay friends and like a lot of gay people um love Britney Spears and um, like Britney Spears was my first concert and uh, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, so um, so like all these like people are like talking about it online and so I like so I see a lot of people posting about it so like that's why um, that's why on my timeline like a lot of people were um, we're talking about it and uh, this is like a side rant that has nothing to do with this documentary but like it's technically part of a new york times documentary series and it's like still available to rate on letterboxd and it's like number like three on letterboxd right now and i'm like but it's not really like it's not a movie so there, that's like my side quibble but that's like that's a situation that can never be resolved yeah i can't help you there uh, yeah, no, I can. <laughs> I have to live with it. <laughs> yeah.
Um, but yeah, that's my my um, Britney soapbox. The leave Britney alone soapbox. Um, yeah, I thank you for uh, the the lesson because I I honestly I had no idea about any of Britney Spears' stuff um, or what was going on with her. So I like I had heard. Like I remember when she was like going through her like, like I don't call them mental issues, but her, you know, her problems. Yeah, like, she was having. like a breakdown. I mean, yeah, it's better to call it like a breakdown. I don't think she like would deny that too. But it's kind of just sort of like everyone goes through that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, like I mean, to different levels, but like the sort of like empathy, um, mm -hmm. the empathy we should have for like others. Yeah, but like I never like really thought about how we treated her or how anyone treated her. I just like, well, I guess one, I forgot. And two, um, I, I just, I never realized or put two and two together about what we were asking or how we were asking. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 It's like a sort of like record. I wasn't, I, and I wasn't really paying attention either. So not yeah. that much. Yeah. It's like a thing. Um, I mean, it's like a reckoning of like ourselves. Like it's really like talking about like how we like um, treat them. Like I've definitely done it. I mean, the other day I made like a Paris Hilton joke and I was like, why did you do that? Like, I was like, that's like, it's kind of like a low blow sort of thing. Um, uh, so uh, it's kind of like I need to like f figure out like ways to be like, basically it's like figuring out ways to be more um open and uh, empathetic again um to like people and not like not make fun of people essentially <laughs> it's kind less, of like what it comes down to be nice less judgmental yeah yeah exactly i mean like, that's like the, the the very simple answer to it paris paris hilton also has like a show out now i guess like a, on facebook watch about how like her antics or whatever if you want to call them antics or whatever in like the 2000s like her 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 hollywood or her uh her character was just that it was a character like um and like you know this isn't the real paris like this isn't the real me and she's actually like a really smart person and like my dad i remember like my dad had always said like you know this is all an act anytime you saw paris Hilton on tv he's like this is all an act she's actually a really smart girl and like there's a reason she has so much money and like because she knows how to sell herself and I was like, I like was like, no, she's like, she's like so stupid. And like now I'm like, oh my God, like he was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um and like that's another reason why I think it's like so it's amazing the way that they use the the Paris Hilton song in Promising Young Woman, because it's sort of this like it's this song that like everyone knows is like isn't meant even Paris, like Hilton herself, I think kind of like knows it wasn't like really meant to be taken seriously yet like everyone did and then like everyone took it seriously and like joked about it being like haha here's this like paris hilton song and um and then like with time um people like don't care about those things anymore they're like i just want to listen to a stupid like a stupid pop song just because i know it's a stupid pop song um and they're like just because i want to and like so they like use that to sort of like great effect like that self-awareness to like great effect on promising young women these were the days when people were more obsessed with celebrities 
<laughs> they were politics. And today, people are more obsessed with politics than they are. I, I know. It's a whole new beast now. Yeah. Well, anyway. anyway All right. Well, thank yeah. you for that wonderful insight. That's good. So, um, well, Matt, uh, for your soapbox, what are you watching? Mine's um, a little less serious and more <laughs> mindless entertainment. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, last night I was, I wanted to actually partly for my, what are you watching? Partly because I just needed to watch mindless entertainment. Um, and I heard this movie was like kind of good. So I gave it a shot. Um, so I watched Greenland, the one with Gerard Butler. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher her name. Um, oh God, is it Marina, Marina Baccarin? Is that her name I know. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> from Homeland. Yeah, from Homeland and from Deadpool, you know, Gotham. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Marina Backroom. I'm just going to call her Marina Backroom and Gerard Butler uh, and Scott Glenn's in it too. Um, so I usually like try to avoid anything with Gerard Butler now um, because I've like, you know, made the mistake and seen um, White House Down or whatever, or Olympus Has Fallen. Um, yeah, whichever and I'm one just, that like, one's. And I'm just like, you know what, like, I'm good with Gerard Butler. But like, I'd heard Greenland was like, good. I heard it through the grapevine. So I gave it a shot. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not like the biggest disaster movie fan. Um, but like after 2020, and like the disaster we've had, well, and recently 2021, um, and the recent disasters we've just like been through, um, it kind of like hit pretty hard. And seemed more realistic <laughs> than like I would have probably taken before like coronavirus or like the insurrection on the Capitol. Um, so like Greenland is about, um, take like, it's like kind of like Armageddon if like they didn't blow up the meteor. Um, so it's about a comet like traveling past the earth um, and it actually ends up like hitting the earth um, and they like can't stop it and so uh, it's like, it's more a story of like a human story of like how we like treat each other and like apocalyptic events than the actual apocalyptic event. Um, but like a bunch of like people are selected in like a lottery to go to an underground bunker in Greenland and Gerard Butler, um, his name is John Garrity and his family are selected. And um, they have a diabetic son who is actually when they get to the airplane to go to Greenland to go to this bunker is turned away because he is diabetic. And then once he's turned away, the family's split up and it's kind of a story of them trying to get back together and finding a way to get to Greenland to the bunker to save their lives and, you know, wait out the comet. Um, so like the human connection story is actually the more interesting part of the movie. And it's, uh, it's really like emotionally like draining because you know, we've have like, <laughs> we've been through like a disaster and how like people can act and like, especially like about toilet paper, like, come on. <laughs> um, so like, <laughs> like I can only imagine like if a comet were coming to the <laughs> strike out the earth, like, um, yeah, they pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, so like, it's, it's just like, uh, the, the story, um, the story really picks up after like, like just before the comet's about to hit, um, you know, I guess Gerard Butler and his wife are like separated or they're, they're bringing a divorce. Um, and then they're kind of all with their friends 
and Gerard Butler's, um, he gets like a notification on his TV saying you've been selected. And like all of his friends or his neighbors are in like his house and like they're watching like the first comet hit the earth. Um, it's like a series of like smaller comets before the big one actually hits. Um, and then like he gets like the notification on his TV saying like you and your family have been selected. Um, and they all like freak out like why did you get this and not me blah blah blah. Um, and then you come to find out like all these people are being selected to like help rebuild the earth like they have like architects and like um, doctors and you know everyone who's like important to help like rebuild society. Um, and like so so they get so the, they eventually get to the the planes then they get separated um people want their wristbands they like get into like these fights with people like people like they like wristbands to get on the planes people try to like steal them and then like they end up like meeting at um marina Beckerin's dad's house which actually like so his dad is played by scott glenn which is actually a really nice surprise because you haven't seen him and like God, I haven't seen him since like Sucker Bunch or um, when was the last thing I saw him in? It was, it's, it's been a while. Um, but like, he still looks really good for his age. He's like 82 or 83 and he still looks like really young and really good. Um, so then they end up like going to Canada and like finding a way to Greenland. Um, but then like the movie ends and I don't want to like, okay, so like spoiler alert, but like movie ends, like they come out like nine months later out of like the bunker and um like they like the world was like totally destroyed like the like the comet actually hits it doesn't avoid the earth and like i'm like you know what like nice i love that like movies are like taking this leap now and like actually destroying the world <laughs> instead of like like there oh everyone's no saved there is no hope like all right like all right and then uh yeah so i mean it's fun it's a really fun movie it's actually it's really good and i i'm like shocked i am saying this about a gerard butler disaster movie two things i like genuinely do not like um because I think I've told you, like, I don't like Armageddon or like Deep Impact, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I, I just, I, I love this. I thought it was great. Um, especially it's like, I, I definitely connected to it more post uh, all the traumatic events we've been through recently. <laughs> is it campy at all? Like, is it funny? Does it have like... No, I mean, it's like, it takes itself very seriously. Yeah. 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 I figured there was like two ways it could go. It could like go the like more serious route or like as serious as you can get for mm -hmm. that type of movie. Um, or just like the complete ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah, it takes itself pretty seriously. It, it's again, it's more of like an examination of how like, you know, how humans interact among one another, like especially in like when a disaster is looming within 24 hours. Um, and I think it really like hits the nail on the head. It's very uncomfortable in some parts. In some parts, it's very hard to watch. Um, like you know, I feel like some other like movies about like the end of the world are more like more like about the actual destruction and like all that stuff. So this this kind of takes it more seriously on a human level. Not to not 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 that there aren't some very cool scenes to watch because there are. Um, there's like a scene where it's just like literally raining fire. <laughs> And they have to like find cover. It's it's really neat to watch. So if you're looking for like I think a I good, that. yeah, yeah. If you're looking for like a good like trash movie, it's not trash. I'm not, I'm not calling it trash. Um, but if you're like just looking for like mindless entertainment to watch, this is actually a really good mindless entertainment film to watch. So I'm not gonna call it trash because I also love trash movies and trash TV sometimes when I when like you just need to watch it. But um, if you're like thinking about watching Greenland, uh, give it a chance because it's I really enjoy it. I think you know you will too so yeah it sounds like it has this um 
this great sort of combination of um, relatability and escapism, which during COVID times is like a hard balance to strike. Usually it's like one or the other. Like I'm always like struck at how many movies like this year in particular, where it's like, oh my God, that's like crazy realistic to what's going on like yeah. in the real world right now. Um, yeah, I feel like you look at any like of these disaster movies or any like movies like about like viruses or contagions or, or contagion um viruses or like end of the world type scenarios it's it i feel like we're looking at it now kind of or at least i am with like kind of a different lens like now that we have experienced as a society something not quite similar but you know it's still an uncomfortable um not so not quite normal situation just to, just through a different lens yeah uh yeah it's like what it's one of those events uh that is like changes the world not to be too over dramatic uh but it, it's true uh so um so it like also sounds like greenland has that um that like sort of escapism escapism factor too like so there are all these like realistic movies and then there are these um just get away i don't want to think about things movies mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, usually it's like a binary choice like you're either one or the other and yeah. like greenland somehow look seems to uh make the most of both yeah yeah pretty much um a lot of like a lot of too like what they like really hit the nail on the head with too is is the government messages that are like come across the airwaves um it's not like you know like they like take a last radio like like say the last word on the radio they're like they're like this is an emergency alert like get underground I'm like oh this sounds so real like <laughs> like uh, <laughs> um like please find shelter immediately or like if you're in this area please expect you know debris falling and then like, they're like real really real about like they like don't sugarcoat anything about like a comet hitting the earth <laughs> and it's just like they deliver the facts on the news about this comet is heading towards the earth this is going to be an apocalyptic um end of <laughs> end of species killing out 75 percent of life on the earth scenario um you know <laughs> and it, hope you're ready like and it is and it's like usually in those movies like in um like armageddon or whatever it's like they like escape it and like barely meet yeah. up that was, that was always the reason i always preferred deep impact to armageddon is because like in deep impact like it actually hits like most some of it hits like the earth and you like get like this like huge destruction and like armageddon there's like too much um everything is like pretty much spared in armageddon so yeah <laughs> that's what he's like. i always like deep impact more not greenland <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah greenland they're just like nope like they do not sugarcoat it at all yeah like yeah. the end of like the end of the movie like i i hate to spoil this but like they like zoom out and like show like earth like a wide shot of earth like where all like the impact like the yeah. giant craters <laughs> the new giant craters are. the really molten like, core <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah so that's great. cool so, very cool mindless entertainment next week no. i'll try to be more serious <laughs> oh my god no i'm like too serious so i um very much like these yeah all right well all right well uh, 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of serious movies, let's I know get back this on. is like the most serious movie. <laughs> we're let's get back to serious. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Judas and the Black Messiah. That was uh, our movie of the week. That was a good segue. Uh, it was a very good segue. Um, I'm getting better with my segues. Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, yes. Read the plot description at the top, so don't need to. Uh, don't need to recover that. Yes, thank but, you. Um, we'll give a spoiler warning, although the spoiler is literally in the title. So, like, I don't know how much there there is to spoil about Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, it's the story of like Fred Hampton and uh, and like essentially like the FBI and police operation behind it, and like the plot to literally assassinate uh, Fred Hampton, um, which involves uh, this um, character, real life person, Bill O'Neill, and played by Lakeith Stanfield, and um, the sort of operation to get him to get to a point to lead to help kill Fred Hampton, um, played by Daniel Kaluuya. So, um, so yeah, like, heavy um heavy stuff this was um this is released like in the middle of black history month and honestly like this is a an event in black history that i think i i was like basically i was minorly like familiar with i would say like uh, we were not like taught about like who fred hampton certainly like in school um we weren't taught at all about the black panthers i don't even think yeah. they were brought up yeah yeah not once Same. and like it kind of like makes me it like I, again gosh i feel like i've been thinking about my childhood so much what else is there to think about during uh covid um but like um in terms of like what i was taught or like what or what my sort of like perceptions of the Black Panthers were. And like pretty much all I could tell you or anything that like learned or learned quote unquote, or was taught was like Black Panthers were like an armed like group, like uh, armed group. And I think like the, the implication being is like, they want to promote violence, like, at all times, like meaning like Black Panthers are equivalent to violence. Um, I don't think this movie, um, this movie like directly ties the thought process. They're like, the Black Panthers are the same as the KKK. And that's how they try to like sell Bill O'Neill is to like their- Justify it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How to like justify it. And at least in my sort of perception, I never saw them as sort of like equivalent in that sense or that but the armed like sense of like black panthers are armed like mm -hmm. that's it like guns like bring to my mind like when i think about like how i was taught about the black panthers so yeah yeah i mean you even like look at it like and uh, i mean equated to like today like you know the whatever you want like antifa like versus QAnon. it's like um i feel like that's like kind of like our modern day like you know kkk and um 
Black Panther <laughs> movie, yeah. but like, except that, yeah, like the KKK is like still real. Yeah, no, I know, I know, <laughs> no. um, but like, but like, if you want to like talk about in terms of like more out in the spotlight, yeah, yeah. just yeah. like if if you want to like equate it to anything, but like, um, yeah, it's it's I like like I said, I wasn't taught a lot about the Black Panthers. I didn't really know much about the Black Panther movement until like. I got to college and then beyond college, like <laughs> actually, but to be honest with you, I learned more about KKK. Like, oh my God, oh my God. I learned more about the Black Panther movement and actually the KKK um, through media and like through movies. Um, and like, you know, what the Black Panther movement was all about and like what they did and like how they did use violence um, to, to protest and uh, to advance civil rights. Um, See, like, I just, I think back to high school and, like, when I learned about civil rights in, like, the 60s and 70s, like, all I can, like, really think about, like, learning is about, like, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And it's, like, who is writing this stuff? Like, who's, like, who's, like, who's, like, writing the agenda, like, to teach us, like, this history? Like, why weren't we taught about the Black Panthers? Why weren't we taught, like, why were we only taught about, like, Rosa Parks and, like, Martin Luther King? Like, there's more to, like, civil rights and, like, uh, like, I never learned about, like, John Lewis and, like, or, like, um like the the or selma um or the brit like the walk across the bridge like or the edmund Pettus bridge like i never like was taught about all this stuff and it's just like it, it's like it paints a very rosy picture of like martin luther king like it paints a very rosy picture of like like the civil rights movement and um it's just like i don't know if like that was like just my education but like or like if this is like standard education across the country but like there's just there's so much more to learn and so much more to study um so like I'm I'm glad we have like movies like this to like teach us about what the Black Panthers like who Fred Hampton was like who Bill O'Neill was like like who what the FBI was doing um and how they were like going they were going after you know these people like the Black Panther movement and they were going after Martin Luther King and like the hatred that um that J Edgar Hoover had for Martin Luther King like it's crazy to me it's just it's crazy so like just to think like today like like the fbi would go after like a like a civil rights icon like it just it, it's crazy to me um but yeah, yeah. it's i like these movies a lot because you know <laughs> you learn something <laughs> and yes yeah. and they're good <laughs> so i know so like we were kind of like joking about this like being very serious but like i found this i think this movie is like very entertaining too it's like it's very it's an easy watch it's not it <sighs> Easy is not the right word, but like you can watch it. It's not this thing where you're just like, it's less serious than like a documentary, so to speak, um, or less accessible, or say more accessible than a documentary, I'm going to say. And speaking of documentaries, I think this is like a fantastic companion to another recent documentary, which I forget if I've talked about on this podcast, um, called MLK FBI. Uh, which uh, just made the shortlist for um, the Oscar Best Documentary feature. So it could be nominated for an Oscar this year. It made the top 15, so it may, may make the top five. We'll see. Um, but I have not seen it yet, but it's on uh, It's great. And it's it's a fantastic companion piece to this movie, um, which, but like, it's essentially about like the FBI and like their abuse of, um, Martin Luther King Jr. and who, um, who like literally 
literally the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover, who's also in this movie. We also need to talk about J. Edgar Hoover in this movie. Um, but um, uh, but essentially his um, like they are they're very deep fear, like paranoia of a black messiah. And it's like written, like written down, like they did not want a quote unquote black messiah. Like, and they were doing everything to prevent that to the point of like wiretapping everything in, like Martin Luther King Jr. had to do. Um, and also, this is also something I never knew about, by the way, of like, um, I don't want, I don't want to call it like a conspiracy theory, but like, let's just say like Martin Luther King Jr.'s family believes the FBI killed him. Mm. And like, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And it's like, it was something that I like, again, these are like things that I barely know, like barely know about um i feel like they're footnotes like the same thing with like fred hampton like i feel like i was like i feel like i like probably i just feel like i heard about it it wasn't like something that i knew like a deep deep sort of history of and so like i have been like on this like sort of rabbit hole of like the fbi's involvement <laughs> in like in martin luther king jr's like my particular um but well after like after watching this movie i'm like did james earl ray like work with the fbi <laughs> like was he paid off by an agent like i know it's like and um and it's but like these are these were like never even questions like i even like thought about something like whether or not um like the degree of the fbi's like involvement or lack of involvement i should say like also i think like a probably like this mlk fbi documentary kind of like i i don't want to like put words into anyone's mouth but they kind of say it's like the fbi may not have fired the bullet but like they sure as hell were not there to like help like mm -hmm. this was like a possibility and they did nothing to like to offer any sort of assistance or protection so um so like at the very most like they're complicit right in this death so when i say like if his family believes that like the fbi killed him in that sense that is like part of it mm. um or, or like to an extent they did yeah 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 like killed versus like allowed to die type of thing well mm. in fred hampton's case they literally went in and shot him up and killed him uh so um so yeah so it's like um again like it's you it is not and this is like these were not that long ago this was like 50 years ago max like barely 50 years ago so and it's just like crazy to think and it's kind of like yeah like no wonder there's like a mistrust in government and a lot of people so um, like that is justified. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, like these are like questions like I feel like are appropriate to ask, not like does Hillary Clinton eat babies? Like I know, <laughs> I know. My dad. So I think you're like what I'm saying is like I think you're justified in like questioning like these motives. Like 
based on history and reactions from the federal government. Um, like they are, there is a basis. It is somewhat grounded in reality. Whereas like the conspiracy theories that are like built up on Twitter and the internet today have no basis in reality whatsoever. So right, like exactly. you do have, yeah. I'm just saying like you are justified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all like very fascinating. Um, yeah. Could you imagine if there was Twitter back then? Could you imagine? God. Oh my God, it would be, <laughs> I cringe just like thinking about it, just like mm -hmm. about how, because like people, I mean, people are like overtly bigoted today, but like you see, even see it back then too, like just people thinking things are okay. <laughs> that mm -hmm. are you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Like, just like think like how like the internet and Twitter could just alter, like just have altered the course of the this, not just like <laughs> the um, history of this country, but the world. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. The, um, the one thing I will say that painted like social media in a bad light, um, which social media does, has a lot of things to be ashamed of. But um, one of like some good things that can come of social media is like organizing for like protests right so like that is like a good thing too so maybe that like in my rosy version of the civil rights movement it's the like the social media in the 60s would have like mobilized people to uh, to go to marches or have sit-ins etc organizing protests and insurrections yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> um yeah it's that that and uh, the social network, <laughs> yeah, da yeah. David Fincher, <laughs> can think. A prequel. So exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, some really great performances. Um, we talked storyline. So um, yeah. So I, I kind of I kind of skipped over ten words or fewer. Oh shoot! I know. I know. So I mean, we you can uh, yeah. you could skip over. <laughs> <Go> <laughs> like, oh my god! I kind of I can I at least say mine. You don't have to say yours. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, Can I, I just associate my like ten words or fewer with yours? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So my ten words or fewer was is worth the thirty pieces of silver. I don't. I don't. It's it's a Judas reference. Uh. Okay. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Jude, Judas sold out Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. I gotta study my Bible history. Yeah. Um, I. Did not go to Catholic school. <laughs> well, it's also it's used in some movies and like lore in some like werewolf movies and like werewolf lore. Um, the the reason that silver can kill like werewolves or whatever is because like that silver like originated with Judas and the the silver that killed the that it killed, essentially killed Jesus. So metaphorically killed Jesus. So oh, like, I didn't know that. To, well, yeah, it's, see, you learn something yeah. new every day. That is my it's goal. Not, <laughs> to literally learn something new yeah, every day. Yeah. Okay, um, there we go. That's not like all werewolf tales because like werewolf tales are just like made up <laughs> out of like anywhere. Yeah. But like in some, it like, it boils down to Jesus. So oh. I, I always thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for your interesting fact of the day. I, yeah. It is appreciated. Uh, all right. Well, so that's a, that's a, I will associate my 10 words or fewer with that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, so we, we've obviously already started to kind of talk about this movie. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, but um, you said you were. Did you were you going to say performances? That was what I guess. Well, yeah. I was going. I was yeah. going to talk. Well, particularly about um, our two main characters, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Um, but I know you want to talk about a little bit about LBJ too, and we should get to that. I don't know if you want to talk about him first. <laughs> Um, uh, let, let's talk about him later. Okay. <laughs> People can't see the look on your face right now, but it is priceless. And I, yeah. I cannot wait to hear <laughs> the words that are associated with that. Oh my gosh. Uh, I hope I don't disappoint. Um, but um, well, I'll, I'll start off with the good then. Like the two leads are like fantastic. <laughs> uh, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakey Stanfield. Yes. A uh, mini get out reunion. I know. And um Lil Ray Howery is Lil Ray's I was gonna say Lil Ray's in it. <laughs> yeah, he has like it's a kind of a cameo. It's like a little bit more than a cameo. Uh but um it's great, yeah, to have um to have them all back together. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh and this is like okay, so even though Daniel Kaluuya is being campaigned in supporting actor and it's like getting all the supporting actor nominations this is like it's judas and the black messiah so it's like it's very much about both of them it's like it's pretty much a co-lead situation i think mm -hmm. um yeah definitely i like i definitely see him as 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 a lead but i i don't make the rules so yeah it's kind of like well it's not that it's not the worst case of category fraud i've ever seen so because i think it's like is tiny because the way that the movie is framed like at the very beginning and the very end is about like bill o'neill's story and like i think he gets a tiny bit more screen time than um fred hampton but um but like fred hampton gets like plenty of stuff to do on his own like there's a whole story like it's there's a whole major like point of that like you know it's like personal life and like um his uh his girlfriend and having um having a child so um or at least she's pregnant she's she was pregnant at the time of uh his death so uh is murder <laughs> like uh and um, so, like, there's, like, plenty of stuff for, like, Daniel Kaluuya to do. Um, and he's, like, he is um, so, like, magnetic because, like, Fred Hampton was a, like, extremely dynamic speaker, somebody who could, like, obviously inspire so many people. And um, Daniel Kaluuya's, like, screen presence, uh, watching, like, all of this is... Um, you can't look away <laughs> from like any um, any time he's on screen, and he gets to double um, all these like great moments where he has these like speeches, these like really magnetic, bombastic speeches, um, and you get to see his like private life where he's like actually kind of shy. <laughs> so uh, so it's like it's he really gets to pull out all the stops Daniel Kaluuya which is like why he's getting like much deserved love for uh awards recognition yep I've been, I was saying it in my sleep and I'll say it again I am 
a revolutionary. A revolutionary. <laughs> oh my god. So when I have been waiting to see this movie for so long because like when this trailer dropped like i don't know six months ago i was like oh my god this is it was like one of the best trailers um it was one of the best trailers of last year if not the best uh and it was like so good and i was like oh my god i cannot wait for this movie and um a lot of that um uh like the one of the best scenes if not the best scene is like is in the trailer which is like the like the i am a revolutionary um speech uh so where he's like in the church so it's uh it's so good um uh but like i have been like thinking about that ever since the, <laughs> ever since the trailer came out i was very excited to cut the trailer for for our podcast episode because i love this trailer so much <laughs> well now you have it for the rest of your life i know i know <laughs> yeah uh um yeah. So yeah, so you like you get a ton of that from like from Daniel Kaluuya. So and it's so different. It's such a different character than like all the other things that we know him from. It's a different character from like Get Out. It's like different from Widows. It's been on my list forever, but I like still need to see Queen and Slim. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the first time I ever saw Daniel Kaluuya in anything was um probably where a lot of people first saw him which was like a one of the early black mirror episodes so um which is all just like sci-fi so yeah um so it's just like he's got like such a diverse uh resume yeah and uh black panther alumni uh, oh yeah, yeah. The superhero, black. The superhero, black. Panther. I know, I know. Yeah, I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Yeah, he's got a. Well, he's building the resume, and uh, I think his his Oscar nomination will uh, certainly put him put him over. So he's yeah. also he's also in the second um, Kick Ass movie as well. <laughs> oh, he <laughs> Just, is. Yeah, he plays he plays a character named Black Death. Uh, ah. Yeah, so that's that is where I first uh, encountered Daniel Kaluuya. So very minor role. Um, it's done two superhero movies now, then I guess. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, he's um, he's so good. Um, it's it's like so early. I'm I'm certain he'll get a nomination, but the movie this movie is like surprisingly i'm surprised that it hasn't gotten as much attention from awards outside of daniel kaluuya i like really would have expected a little bit more it's not like i was expecting all across the board stuff um but like it didn't get a golden globe nomination or a sag award um uh, like for best ensemble um it's only gotten like a few sort of picture precursor picture nominations so um so it's like um which it doesn't not scare me but i won't be surprised if it's not nominated for best picture um but i wonder how that affects the chances for daniel kaluuya um because i think even if it doesn't get a best picture nomination i think he still could win uh supporting actor um it would just make it a lot easier <laughs> if it got any other above the line if this movie got any other above the line nomination 
Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I wonder if it goes back to like, uh, now I'm bringing up conspiracy theories. I wonder if it goes up, like, if it's like about the Black Panther thing, because apparently, like, Hollywood doesn't even like to acknowledge, you know, the Black Panthers either. Um, like, what's the like last Black Panther movie you remember being nominated, like, at the awards? <laughs> like, it's like, it, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't think, I think they're like still afraid to talk about them or like even like put them in the spotlight again. So. Yeah, and so actually, this is a good time to bring up Jay Hooker Hoover, um, <laughs> because um, I think this movie is this a WB or it's like a Warner Brothers movie, which means it's a big studio movie. Um, and in so in some ways, it's like really progressive, a progressive relatively, um, in the sense that it's like, oh, here's this big studio movie, like that is like actively pursuing this like Black Panther story. And so they have to um, wear a movie um, and today in 2020 and 2021, we're rethinking like how we portray police and the FBI and G-men like on screen, like they're almost always the good guys and credit to this movie for making them like look not so good. Um, um, especially because most movies, we don't think about them like that. That said, like the, like, they're so obviously bad in this movie. It's like, so it's to the point where it's like a, over the top, um, like almost as over the top as J. Edgar Hoover's makeup in this. Like, it is like the worst makeup I've ever seen uh, in my entire life. Um, so it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, I don't think like, it's, I don't think we're getting a nomination here for makeup and hairstyle. I know it's <laughs> horrible, and like it's honestly made worse by the fact that it's like played by Martin Sheen. I think like Martin Sheen is like not the right actor for this role. Like not anything against like Martin Sheen or his acting abilities, but he's like miscast in the sense of like okay, why did we just like, so you're clearly just hiring an actor to put him in makeup and the makeup's even bad. He sounds like Martin Sheen. He doesn't like even attempt to do, to do any sort of like accent to hide it. Mm -hmm. And um, and he's like so obviously evil that um, it's like, it kind of erases any sort of like subtleties or like, microaggressions that they would have um mm -hmm. he's just like out like yeah. blatantly hates <laughs> yeah 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 like literally like, the movement calls like for his like murder like yeah says he's like jail isn't enough we need to do like that's yeah. something and it's like okay we get it like we yeah. we get it <laughs> like you know yeah i think that's more like a I guess that's more of like a writing thing than a, than anything else, but, but yeah, it's, it's, the subtleties are not there at all. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's my, my only criticism, like of the movie overall is that the, like the subtleties aren't there and it's like, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> so, like that's kind of fine, especially considering we were talking about like at the top of this segment that we were like, we never really were exposed to these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. so, um, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like maybe like maybe make me hate J. Edgar Hoover over time. Like, 
don't make me like hate him like right out the gate like you know yeah. like <laughs> make him like a scar you know kind of person like <laughs> is this person evil oh yeah he is um and like he has like no like influence like even like in the last half of the movie at all it's like there's like he's not present at all it's just you know he's just like there up front and like i hate i hate you know i hate the black panther movement here's your job um you know go on and go forth i i don't know there's no like build up there there's nothing there's no character development there with jagger hoover it's like he's kind of in and out uh so yeah i i, I just kind of i kind of more like laughed at his character than anything yeah so and the makeup was just weird i'm like just bring back leo you know <laughs> I know. And like, not that that makeup I think is like that great either. Like, why can't we do J. Edgar Hoover makeup? Like, well, what? Like, somebody just nail the J. Edgar Hoover makeup. Yeah. I think it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I can, can we just be like done with J. Edgar Hoover? Like, we got it. <laughs> I know. I kind of agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, we get it. Like, yeah. you suck. Like, like, yeah. yeah. You did some good things and then you did some really bad things. And like, let's just, you know, we're done with J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, especially because like I think his character is like almost like completely unnecessary because there's like the G-Man, um, I honestly forget his name, but like Jesse Plemons character, like this like special, like this FBI agent, like a junior agent um, who um, is the one like who handles uh, Bill O'Neill. So, um, and he even has like more character development than than like J. Edgar Hoover does. Well, yeah, because he's like, he's like likable at first, you know, like you like don't entirely hate him until the end, you know, there is, there is like an arc with his story too. Like, you know, this movie is about three people. It's about <laughs> Fred Hampton, Bill O'Neill and the G-Man, um, which, you know, they essentially all tie in together. Well, I, I think the G-Man more represents the FBI in general and the government in general. So, um, that's really like the three characters in this movie. Um, and then you bring in Dominique Fishback, who is actually incredible. Um, I know she's great. She yeah. was the only good thing about freaking project power. Like talk about like great performances in bad movies is Dominique Fishback and project power. Um, and, uh, and I think she's like great here um, too. Yeah. Especially because she's like kind of not given a whole lot to do other I mean, really, she's like kind of a supporting wife. Like, can, mm -hmm. I don't think they were married, but like, that's like essentially. She, but she makes the most of everything that she's given. I think. Yeah, yeah, and um, she she's still alive today, right? She changed her name. Like, I think she's. I forgot. I forgot her new name, but um, yeah, she's like the like co-head with her son of like the current Black Panther socialist party or a social party um i forgot what they call it but but yeah she's still alive and um the character uh is yeah uh, yeah. yeah they show her uh, picture, like yeah. at the end oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah uh yeah and like um i i actually had read before i saw this movie that like fred hampton oh, spoiler alert but we already mentioned that um i learned before this movie that like fred hampton died like 20 days or 25 days before his baby was born so i was like oh shit like <laughs> like the more pregnant she got in the movie i'm like oh this is coming to an end it's coming up yeah <laughs> it's coming up so um yeah so <laughs> there you go i spoiled the movie for myself um, <laughs> <laughs> um so there's you mentioned um 
like one thing with, about like Jesse Plemons' character, about his like FBI agent character, mm-hmm. about like him, um, you end up like him being kind of like likable in sort of sense. And I think um, that theme is also, um, I think that theme is seen throughout the movie, but particularly in the lead role, which is Bill O'Neill. And he's like, he's an informant. Um, he's a rat, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, um, he's a rat who's like, helps lead to the death. Like he gives all the information and even drugs uh, uh, Fred Hampton the night of his murder. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and knowing all this and knowing all this like leading into the movie, again, the movie is called Judas and the Black Messiah. The amount of sympathy that you have for Judas, for Bill O'Neill, is shockingly high. And like this movie is like able to pull this off where you feel for like Bill O'Neill. Um, and the tragedy of it all is because like he's just, Bill O'Neill is just like a pawn in this entire system too. He's being used in the exact way that. Fred Hampton is preaching about is saying like this is how like the world and society is like using you. So it's this sort of it's like a Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, and um, and like at the end, like you're still able, even though like he did these like Bill O'Neill did these like terrible things, you still like really feel for him. Um, and that also has to do with my like love for Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> I uh, think he's phenomenal. Um, so, um, and he's like, I think without like this performance too, you would have zero sort of sympathy and he's able to like reach down into those like emotions and find a, um, a scared, um, like identity searching person um, who like has constant fear um, like protruding throughout him, like throughout the entire movie. And um, those are just like, it's a vulnerability that I think like translates like really well on screen and Mm. makes the movie more, more interesting because of it. Like straight Fred Hampton bio wouldn't have been as interesting as bill bill i think bill should be the the main character and he is um yeah yeah in a sense he in a sense he is yeah yeah um i just i wonder what it would be like like how i would like feel about bill if like how differently i would feel if i didn't know the ending um if i didn't know that he would eventually sell him out to the fbi um because like the entire time you're rooting like like if you know the ending you know what's going to happen like you know he's eventually going to sell bill's going to sell him out bill's going to sell out um the entire like black panther party and you know that the shootout's gonna happen at the end and you know um you know it's gonna happen but like there's a part of you rooting for bill to kind of walk away from the fbi to kind of fight back against the fbi and um like part of me is wonders like you know if i didn't know what was going to happen would i have thought of bill a little differently because the like you said but you you mentioned like you know he is likable to me bill like I always like knew like that he did have this other mo- like he was always like gonna have the second motive, 
um and not not that he wasn't likable but like i always kind of like saw him as sort of a a villain um throughout the movie um like a benevolent <laughs> a benevolent that anti antagonist 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 yeah yeah um i don't i don't want to call him a villain cuz he's like he's not a villain um he's he is being pushed and pulled and pretty much threatened by um you know government and yeah. um if he doesn't do their bidding he you know <laughs> he he essentially loses his life um so it's it is from his perspective watching his character it is difficult you know there there is sort of that struggle there um but you're right i look at santa field just he, like he, man, he pulls it off like and i i do not know of anyone <laughs> who who could do the job he did uh yeah he was just he was great so and i definitely i hardcore think he needs to get a nomination for that so he was awesome i know like i have like a mini side rant is like i always feel like the keith stanfield is like always the second story in like every movie he's in <laughs> he's like mm. even though even when he is like the main character like in a movie he's like always like takes well i mean look look at like middle. look at the poster for judas and the black messiah like he's like literally behind fred hampton like you see half of his face so i know i think that i think that poster is like really good though because he's like looking behind looking yeah yeah but he still plays, you know, it still seems like going to it, he seems like he is the second fiddle to and Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya is credited first in the credits um, above Lakeith Stanfield. So it's um, it's very interesting. Lakeith Stanfield does have more screen time, though, mm -hmm. um, by a few minutes. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when I think of Lakeith Stanfield, though, I think of Sorry to Bother You, which he's just like, he's obviously like front and center, the main character there. Um, and he's, I think he's, I think he's great in that movie. I think, I think he should have gotten a nomination that year, but uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, I, um, I love Lakeith Stanfield and like, I know there are like other people out there who also love Lakeith Stanfield. So it's kind of like, I know it, like it's, it, it's coming. Like, <laughs> I don't think like, um, has nothing to do with deserving it or not, but like, I don't think He'll get a nomination an oscar nomination this year just like knowing everything that's already come out um i think it's like unlikely for him but like it's it's soon it's coming there soon for like the film uh yeah so well he'll be he'll be in jordan peele's next movie oh good right oh no i i don't know i'm just i'm just guessing. oh yeah <laughs> um but uh one thing um one of us like speaking about either character progression and to your point of like him being an and sort of antagonist and a sort of check-in to see it's like oh he's like not this like super sympathetic like character that we have all the time um like when he has these dinners at these like fancy restaurants with like jesse Plemons, like his outfits become progressively more elaborate and like expensive essentially so um so it's like a really kind of like subtle uh wink or maybe not so subtle um and of like he's like really just doing this for for the money um which again feeds into um 
uh, Fred Hampton's anti-capitalists. But like this, he's doing it out of self-interest. Well, he's taking on more jobs throughout the movie and getting more money. Originally, it was for him to lessen his sentence that he originally had, right? But like the more the movie goes on, the more money he makes and was like, okay, yeah, I guess I can maybe, you know, I I can keep selling out my people and um oh my god can we talk about like the last like five minutes um they like take an interview of the real um bill o'neill uh and they show like it it was like 1990 i believe and or 1989 and they like they show bill o'neill talking about the real bill o'neill talking about like what happened um leading up to the raid and leading up to the death of fred hampton um and then like later on like after the interview airs um they show like in the title like in a, in the title card that um he actually killed himself right after that interview aired and i was like wow that i think that was probably the most impactful part of the movie for me just that was agreed crazy. like the text all the text at the end mm-hmm. was like pretty damning yeah yeah uh, and, and again like this is stuff like <laughs> again <laughs> you're not taught in school and so like this just gives me more of an appreciation of everything that the civil rights movement stood for so just yeah yeah crazy stuff i know um it's uh yeah i really liked this movie <laughs> um and also like um i talked about like how much i love the title or i'm sorry i talked about how much i love the trailer but i also like love the title this like maybe my favorite title for a movie mm-hmm. of, in the past year or so it's just like it's just a flawless title and perfect yeah more movies should be titled like like this (laughs) yeah i i was actually getting um i don't mean to sound like stereotypical like white boy but like i was getting a lot of flashbacks to um black klansman um and speaking of titles that is another awesome title so uh yeah i just i i just the tone was different but i felt like it was I was watching sort of a follow-up to it. Um, it, it that's just it just kind of felt like that way to me. So I, I just I just kept getting a lot of like I, I just remember when I saw Black Landsman, it was like really powerful and like this was also powerful. So yeah. And yeah. <laughs> as far as titles go, yeah. like those are two pretty great titles. So. Yeah, about like it's similar a similar story in the sense of like uh, um, law enforcement like infiltrating a group so yeah, that, yeah that's a further type black panthers <laughs> the <Clinton. laughs> I know. Yeah. but um but if we found a way false equivalency yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. So, <laughs> yeah i was um i was very not surprised i, I wasn't surprised i would enjoy this because i always thought i would but um it was a it was a good it was a good watch it was very good i'm glad I'm glad this was on our list. <laughs> that's all. That's about all yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Uh, same for me. Uh, all right. Again, well, the 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Uh, so you have, what, 30 days left? 29 days left? It's on HBO Max. Um, oh, yeah, until, yeah. You can watch until it. So you can no longer or have to wait until it comes back to HBO Max. I know. It's, I, don't, um, I don't understand yeah, how like these that, things work. <laughs> That's so dumb. Uh, but yeah. I, if if you are willing to go to a theater, um, it is also in theaters now. So, uh, 
That is Judas and the Black Messiah. This is true. So. It is it is known. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I hate to put you on the spot again. Oh but my god. Sh should we do another preview for next week? <laughs> oh, are you like asking with me? Um, yeah, because I need to I need to know for myself too. <laughs> oh, the, we have um, a list oh, going and I just don't have it up. <laughs> oh, um, it's a list of possibilities. Um, Ooh. Ooh, should we let people vote again? Um the well the two new releases are I Care a Lot, which is uh starring Rosamund Pike. I cannot wait for that movie. I'm so okay. excited. I kind of think we should do I Care a Lot. Um, <laughs> if, okay. If, um, because it's like also a Netflix movie, so it's like way more accessible yeah. to yeah. folks. Um, but yeah, Rosamund Pike playing a scam artist and also Peter Dinklage. So like, and I think Ryan Reese is in it too. Like that's all you need yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Rosamund Pike uh, playing yet another scam artist. So we get another Gone Girl. Amazing well, Amy, Amazing Amy returns. Yes, <laughs> this time she's very much alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the other option I was gonna have, which was, was Supernova, but that like that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is incredible tonight. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm very expressive. I'm very. Yeah. I'm. I'm pulling. I'm just like Daniel Kaluuya and yeah. Safiel. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to see Supernova actually really pretty bad. So I know um, I want to see that too, but I think more people, I think more of our listeners would probably watch. I care a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. So that's next week. Um, you care a lot. I care a lot. We all care a lot about each other and you and our <laughs> listeners are loyal listeners. So with that being said, I think it's time to take us out. <laughs> um, we love you loyal listeners. We care about you a lot. Um, so that's a wrap from us, um, but obviously we'd love to hear more from you. So let us know what you think of the podcast and let us know what you thought of Judas and the Black Messiah now, or on HBO. I was, was going to say HBO <laughs> now, on HBO Max. <laughs> um, if you got a chance the right to watch. platform. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, well, it is HBO, but not yeah. no, the yeah. wrong HBO. Um, so let us know. Uh, you can always reach us on Twitter at repeatsteppod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash seven repeat pod. And Andrew already said this at the beginning, but I will say it again. Please send us an email like Jenny did with your questions at stephanrepeatpod at gmail.com. And you can find more of our reviews on Letterboxd. Andrew is a shine. I am at mgrant1219. And always, as always, please spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews help us get new listeners. And if you give us a five-star review, we will give you a 60-second review of any film of your choosing, even just like Greenland, <laughs> even if it's a mindless watch. And I'm telling you, Greenland was not- All you have to not... do is, oh God, sorry, keep <laughs> interrupting you. <laughs> I was just gonna say Greenland was not a movie that I was paid off to review by anyone. It was a movie I watched on my own. <laughs> I did like this, so uh, you were gonna say. <laughs> oh, it's like, all you have to do for the reviews is literally just list a name, give us five stars, list the name of any movie. Yes, review. we're not just. Yeah. You don't even have to like type out a paragraph, just the name. Just list a name. Yeah. Yes. That's so Please <laughs> give us those reviews. All right. Well, until next time, thank you so much for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say it's an honor just to be considered.